I want to read in Luke 22, starting in verse 1, and then I want to pray over the word um, and encourage you uh, with what I believe he's given me to say today. So in Luke 22, and starting in verse 1, it says, The festival of unleavened bread, which is called Passover, was approaching. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to put him to death because they were afraid of the people. Talking about Jesus. It says, Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. He went away and discussed with the chief priests, the temple police, how he could hand him over to them. They were glad and agreed to give him silver. So he accepted the offer and started looking for a good opportunity to betray him to them when the crowd was not present. Then the day of unleavened bread came when the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. Listen, he said to them, when you've entered the city, a man carrying a water jug will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters and tell the owner of the house. The teacher asks you, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished room upstairs. Make preparations there. So they went and found it just as he had told them and they prepared the Passover. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for having truth that we can touch and revelation that we can hold in our hand. Holy Spirit, I pray that you open our eyes today to what uh, you would show us and our ears to what you would tell us. Incline our ears to your sayings today and unite our heart uh, with, with your spirit so that we can walk forward uh, in righteousness and godliness. In Jesus' name, amen. So we, we, we've been following on Sunday and on Wednesday, the, the story of the book of Luke. And again, it's drawing towards a close. Jesus has turned his face towards Jerusalem. He's entered into the city. We had the triumphal entry. We talked about that on Wednesday night. We've, we've spoken about it here. Uh, and we know that when he came in, he cleansed the temple, right? He threw out uh, the, the money changers and those who were taking advantage of people in the house of God. And he, he had a showdown with the Pharisees where they challenged his authority, right? The, the famous who says, who says we have to do this? Where do you get your authority? Uh, and then he had the showdown with the Sadducees where he taught them about resurrection life, that this life isn't all that there is, uh, but there is life beyond it. And then last week he went through and he told them that the temple would be destroyed. Even the city of Jerusalem would be destroyed. And, and he revealed more about why he's been calling himself the son of man. So if you missed that, check back in on our podcast for last week. Really, really big deal of why Jesus calls himself the son of man. But then it says the Passover, the festival of unleavened bread was approaching. And now listen, I was ready this morning uh, or at least last week uh, to come in here this morning and just throw down on the Passover. Right. I don't know if you've ever studied on the Passover, when it started, what all is included in it, how Jesus is all in it, how it all points to him. It's awesome. And I was ready. I was like, yes, we're going to throw down on the Passover. Right, God? And he was like, no, no, it's going to be different today 
than that. I'll, I'll get to preach on that again at, at some time. But what I've learned even is just a uh, uh, inexperienced uh, pastor is I know how to follow his lead. So I was like, okay, if we're not going to talk about that, what are we going to talk about this morning? And the question is, and what we're going to talk about in this passage of scripture is what are you looking for? What are you looking for? We've all had those weird moments in the day where we walk into a room and we don't remember why we walked in there. Right. People have told me it has something to do with walking through a doorway. When you walk through a doorway, it kind of resets your brain when you walk into a new room and you think you stand there, whether in the kitchen or your bedroom. And you're like, why did I come in here? Right. That's that's not just me. I know it's not just me. And the even more modern problem. Now, let's see if this hits any of you is you're sitting there on your phone or on your computer and you think, oh, I need to look that up. And then two or three seconds go by and you're like, wait a second. What was I going to look up? Have you ever done that? You're looking at something you're like, oh, I need to check on that. And then you sit there and like, what was it? And I've literally sat there and gone, huh, huh. Retrace your steps. Go back up the feed. Okay, I saw this. It made me think this. I was going to see what the weather was going to be like next Friday. I need to go check the weather. Right? Y'all have that too. Don't make me feel like that. But what are we looking for? So last week, Kemper and I were talking before service, and I'm going to credit him with saying some things. I don't know if that's actually what he said, but it's what I heard. And we were talking about a few different things. And one thing that he said was, he said, if you're looking for something, you'll find it. If you're looking for something in life, if you're looking for something out of a situation, if you're looking for something, you will find it, or at least some version of it. Right. And we know that if we're looking for a reason to be mad, we're going to find a reason to be mad. If we're looking for a reason to be happy or joyful, we're going to find it. If we're looking for a reason to quit, we'll find it. If we're looking for a reason to start, we can find it. We will find whatever it is that we're looking for. If you set your eyes to look for something, you'll find it even if you have to create it. If you're looking for something, you're going to find it. And so chapter 22 starts with some looking. We have the chief priests and the scribes. So you can think about them. They were like the Supreme Court of Jerusalem. They were the ones who handled all of the business. They were the ones you went to if something needed to be decided, at least for the Jews. So it says, it says the Passover was approaching in verse two, the chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to put him to death. The chief priests were looking for a way to put Jesus to death because they were afraid of the people. They're looking for a way to put Jesus to death. So that's what they're looking for. And then we read about Judas, one of the 12 disciples who says, led by Satan, led by the evil one, went and offered to the chief priests that he would betray Jesus, that he would be the inside man in the situation. Hey, I know y'all are trying to get him. I'll be your inside man and I'll betray him to you when nobody's around because I know you're worried the people will get all upset. I'll help you do that. And so they even offered to pay him to do that. He accepted that. And it says what? He began looking for an opportunity 
to betray him. So they're looking for something. And then Peter and John in verse eight were sent by Jesus to go make preparations for us to eat the Passover and go looking for a man with a water jug who has a furnished upper room. So everybody was looking for something. We're all looking for something. And again, a truth of this life is when you're looking for something, you will prepare to see it come to pass. Your heart is begun again to prepare to see whatever it is that you're looking for. Whatever you're looking for, you're going to prepare to see it. And we're all looking for something. We're all getting ready for something. And our heart is going to prepare to see what it is that we're looking for. So let's talk about the chief priests. They were looking for a way to kill Jesus. Why? Because they were afraid of the people. They were afraid of losing their power, their authority, their position, their popularity because the message of Jesus was becoming so effective among the people. What they were looking for was a way to maintain their lifestyle uninterrupted. And I don't know if you know this about Jesus, but he will interrupt your lifestyle. When he comes into your life, when he shows up on the scene, he is an interruption to the status quo. People were listening to him. They were going after him. And he had even come into the temple and run out the friends, the business partners of the chief priests and the scribes where they were making money. So the chief priests and the scribes were likely also making money there. They were looking for a way to maintain their own life, even to the point that their hearts were being prepared for murder. That's a big deal. And why were they thinking they, they could do it? They thought they would be better off if Jesus wasn't around. They thought that their life would be better without him. They didn't think that they needed him and they wanted to get rid of him. And a lot of us have felt that way in our life. Especially if, you're, if you've just come to Christ or, or you've begun to, to get around uh, the, the, the idea of the kingdom, it's going to be an interruption to the way that you think and the things that you do. Because when he comes into our life, he is very honest and truthful with us and he is not quiet. There's, the, there's an old book, uh, God is there and he is not silent. He speaks on what needs to be spoken on. And so we, we can feel when he shows up, hey, he, he's pretty focused on being Lord, on being the one in charge. He's got some opinions about how life needs to, to go. Righteousness, how that's accomplished. And, and we think we know better. The chiefs, priests and the scribes thought that they knew better. And so they were looking for a way to avoid the authority and the lordship of Jesus Christ. And we do that, too, because we can think that what we have is better without him. We can think that. Right. We've all been in that position at one point or another in our life. And they were looking for a way to put him to death because of that. And then you've got Judas, 
who was looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Now, what was the deal with Judas? He's been one of the 12 disciples, been with him since he called those 12 together. So something about three years traveling with Jesus from village to village, from place to place with him every day, every night, as far as we can tell, why would he betray Jesus. It says he went to the chief priest and to the scribes and he says, hey, I know you're trying to get him. What if I help you? Why would he do that? And they begun to discuss how he would hand him over. And again, they even offered to pay him to do it. We'll pay you to be the inside man. So maybe that was the, the big deal. Maybe he was just looking to make money. Maybe he thought that would be good that he, you know, I'm kind of tired of this. I'm going to swap it out for a little bit of cash. Maybe it was a love of money or maybe it was a little more convoluted than that. Some have said, and the scripture doesn't go into great detail, why did he do this? Some have said maybe he was trying to force the issue, to force a showdown between Jesus, who we've talked about, it, they believed would, would arise to setting a kingdom in place right then, defeating all the enemies. Maybe it was a point of, hey, we really don't like the, the chief priests and the scribes or what they've done, and they've done terrible things among the people. We're gonna, I'm, I'm going to force a showdown between them and Jesus. Maybe it was a way to force the kingdom in the way that he thought it should come forth. Maybe that was it. Maybe he thought that they wouldn't even be able to take custody of Jesus. Maybe he thought, hey, I can tell him I'm going to betray uh, Jesus to them when they show up to take him. He's going to do some Jesus stuff and be out of it real quick. Right. How can they hurt him? They've tried to hurt him before. He just walked right through them. They tried to push him off of a cliff and he was just like, nah, I'm going to walk this way. They tried to stone him and he's just disappeared from the mob. He's like, maybe he'll just do some Jesus stuff. Me and Jesus will be out here. I'll have 30 pieces of silver and then that could fund the ministry. Who knows what he was thinking? But regardless, he has been with Jesus. He hasn't avoided him like the chief priests and the scribes, but he's wanting to have a life in the kingdom, but to do it his way. I want to do it my way. I think this is the best way. Jesus won't have the showdown with him. I'm going to force it because that's what I think needs to happen. And we look for those things in our life, too. We want the kingdom. We want life in him. But we still kind of want to be in control of it. We still want to be the one that makes the choices. We still want to be the one with authority. It says that Satan entered him. And you remember Satan, the evil one, was the one that tempted man and woman all the way back at the beginning to say, you can have what you want your own way. Just reach up and take it. Take it in, in your own hand and do it your own way. And so I think that that's as, that's as specific as Scripture will get with us on why Judas did what he did. But we can see those temptations in our own Life. So the chief priest said, we'd be better without him. We'd be better if he was dead. And Judas was more of, I, I like this life. I'm walking in this life, but I want to be the one in control of it. I want to be the one pulling the strings. I want to be the one in charge. So again, you see that what they were looking for, they were preparing to see. They were making preparation to see it come about. And we... Um, we, we do that in our own life, even simpler. You're going to begin to walk the direction that you're looking, 
right? That's one of the first things we learn when we start driving is don't look out that left window and start letting the wheel go this way, right? Because we do that like, hey, look at that field over there, all those cows. The next thing you know, you're in the other lane. How did that happen? Well, I was looking that way, so I started going that way. Wherever you're looking, you're going to start veering that way. Whatever you're looking for, you're going to prepare to see. The chief priests found themselves walking towards murder. Murder. Something they knew that was wrong. And yet they're walking towards it anyway. How did they get there? One step at a time. One step at a time, looking the wrong direction, looking for the wrong thing. Judas found himself sneaking off from the group to talk about betraying the leader that they were all following. How did he get there? One step at a time. They were looking for something and they started moving towards what they were looking for. You don't just wake up one morning and go, you know what? Today's a murder day. That doesn't just come out of nowhere. You don't wake up one morning and go, you know what today is? Betrayal day. That's what this is today. No, it doesn't come out of the blue. What happens is you've been looking for something and your heart is, has been preparing to help you find it. Or at least some version of it. The best that it can do to serve up the version of what it is that you're looking for. Now, I was thinking as I was studying this, we've seen a lot of things come out in the news. Of course, you got political figures, you've got uh, sports administrators, and even people in the religious community that are having these huge issues come to light about their conduct, right? Specifically sexual assault, sexual harassment in the workplace, terrible things. And you look at it and you go, how did you get to that point. Nobody wakes up one morning and says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go just destroy my career today. And my I'm going to throw my character out the window. I'm going to just crush my family by doing this to the person that I work with or getting involved in this with this person who's shown up in my life. Nobody does that the morning of. Nobody says that. So how do they get to that point? You start out by looking for something. Maybe it's escape. Maybe it's appreciation. Maybe it's validation. Maybe it's love. Maybe it's acceptance. Maybe it's just distraction. Maybe it's power. Maybe it's control. You're looking for something. And whatever it is that you're looking for, your heart prepares itself to find what you're looking for. And you end up making one bad decision at a time, moving towards what you're looking for. Looking at the wrong thing or looking for the right thing in the wrong place, right? It may start out where you're looking for a good thing. You're looking for love. You're looking for appreciation. You're looking for validation and acceptance. But your heart is just going to do the best that it can on its own which is not good. The job that your heart does when you leave it to itself to prepare for what it is that you're looking for, it's going to do a bad job because a broken heart can't prepare perfect things. It's just going to do the best it can do, which is not good, right? We've all seen that in our life. 
We, look at, we, we start looking for good things, but we leave it up to our heart on its own to find those good things. And it ends up in a bad, bad place. That's the chief priest. That's how they ended up. Judas, that's how he ended up. They were looking for something on their own apart from Jesus and their broken hearts led them to murder and betrayal. And so the question is, what are we looking for? Because we're all looking for something. And that can change. Some of it's common to all of us. And it's just different emphasis depending on what what point or season we are in our life. But what are we looking for? And are we trying to go it alone without him? Because I promise you, your heart is going to prepare to find what it is that you're looking for. It's going to do its best to help you bring about what you're looking for, even if you have to do it on your own. Again, it's just going to do the best that it can because a broken heart can't produce something that's perfect. That's what you're looking for is something that's perfect. That's not what it can bring, but it's going to do its best. And again, its best isn't good. Their heart's best got them to murder and betrayal. When we go it alone, it's only brokenness and tragedy. That's the blessing of Jesus. Oh, how much we need him in our life because our hearts apart from him are tragic. And we've seen that play out in our own life and the lives of those close to us and the lives of every human ever in existence. When we try to go it alone, our heart does the best that it can and it hurts us because we have a desire for perfection and we have no way to bring it about. We're looking for good and right things and our heart can't produce good and right things. So thank God for the hope that we have in Jesus. And then we see that show up in this story as a contrast starting in verse seven. Remember, we saw what life uh, when we want life or we want it without him like the chief priest or we want life kind of with him, but we want to be in charge of it like Judas. And then we look at piece number three, which is life with him. It says the, the, the Passover was approaching and Jesus said to Peter and John, go make preparation for us to eat the Passover. Go look for a place for us to eat the Passover. Uh Oh, here we are looking for something again. This could go bad. Right. But it didn't. And why not? Because they asked him, where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. They, they, they had a need. They were looking for a way to uh, meet that need. But what did they do? They asked him. He said, we have this. We need this. And they said, well, Lord, where do you want us to go? Where do you want us to prepare this meal? And so th- there was this desire. There was a need. But they directed it back to the one who could actually tote it. They didn't take it on themselves. They directed it back to the one that could actually carry it out. And then so verses 10 through 12, he said, listen, he said to them, when you've entered the city, a man carrying a water jug is going to meet you. Follow him into the house he enters. Tell the owner of the house, the teacher asks you, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished room upstairs. Make the preparations there. So he gives them this strangely specific direction on where to go. But he didn't tell them that until what they asked him. They could have launched off on their own. He said, we need to find a place to do the Passover. Got it. Here we go. 
and gone off trying to do it on their own. But when they said, Lord, where, where should we go? How should we do that? How does this need to look? Then he gave them the instruction. He said, okay, listen, here's what you need to do. And again, this really strange instruction, we, we don't have a lot of time to talk about that, but it's just wild that he goes, you're going to walk into the city. There's going to be a man. He's carrying a water pot following. It's like one of the most Jesus things ever. He did it with the donkey too. Remember we talked about that. He's like, there's going to be a donkey. It's going to be tied there. Just start untying it. Somebody's going to ask you. It's like, it's like a secret agent type thing. And maybe it was, maybe it was something that was prearranged. Maybe he was like, hey, we got an agent there. He, he's already got it going. Who knows? Or it could have just been Jesus knowing everything and knowing the father had prepared a place for them to observe this Passover because this was going to be the most important one that had been observed since the first one. So they go into the city looking for something, but they're not on their own. They're going forward with the Lord's direction on how this needs to look and how it needs to go. They go in there looking with these weird instructions. And what do they find? They find that what they needed, what they were looking for, had already been prepared. Amen. What they were looking for, what they needed, had already been prepared by the only one who could ready it. So instead of going and looking on their own, there was a realization that what I need, he has already provided. I just have to listen to him in my looking for it. We're all looking for something. And we can't leave it up to our heart on its own, because if we do, we will end up regretting our decisions. We will end up regretting our conduct. We will end up in some type of toxic relationship that we shouldn't have been in. Overworking ourselves at a job we don't like to earn money that will spend too fast to impress people that we also don't like. Right. If we're looking for something on our own and getting in too much debt on the way to it, by the way, which can be a problem. But that's the best our heart can do. We need to know that that's the best our heart can do. And that's why in, instead of leaving it up to our heart, we go to the Lord and say, what do you have to say about what I'm looking for? I know I'm supposed to look for this. It's a good and a right thing. It's from you. This desire is from you, but I'm not going to leave it up to my heart on its own. What do you say? And he will give us instruction just like he did to Peter and John. And the sad thing is, is that if the if the chief priests had asked him, what should we do? He would have told them lovingly and graciously. He would have told them the truth. Same thing with Judas. If he said, hey, Lord, here, here's what I'm dealing with. I f I'm feeling like I want to betray you. <laughs> I'm feeling like I want to do this. What, what do I need to do about that? He would have told him. And it would have saved him. And he would have been restored. Same thing with the chief priests. And they wouldn't have ended up doing it on their own. Uh, or Judas with some weird hybrid version of trying to do it on my own with you, which is silly.
when we bring him our needs and our desires. And we ask him, what have you already prepared for me in this? What have you already gotten together for me in this? Which way should I go? Who should I look towards? What should I look to? He will. If we ask him, what should I be looking for? So that when they went into the city, they weren't just on their own, but they found that what they needed and what they were looking for, he had already provided. And there's a blessing in the fact that it was the Passover itself, that the Passover and all the feasts that they observed were patterns and practices given to them by God to keep their attention on him so that their heart wouldn't wander because, you know, your heart will wander. It was to keep their eyes and their attention, their focus on him keep their eyes pointed in the right direction until the Lord's provision arrived. And and that's what God has blessed us with, with the ability to gather together like we're doing right now. We're we're here twice a week. Now with Monday nights, we're here then too. Why? Because it's a pattern that, that gives us hope and comfort even when everything's not fixed yet. Just coming here on Sunday, just coming on Monday, coming on Wednesday night isn't isn't necessarily by itself going to fix anything for you. But what it does is it sustains you and helps you endure the things that aren't yet fixed. Because there's pieces of our life that won't be made whole until we get home. But we get more and more of it as we walk along. So the the patterns that he puts in our life are to keep us almost like... um, scaffolding around us to keep us stood up and pointed the right direction in in hope and in confidence until the provision comes or until we find the man carrying the water pot until the moment arrives like, okay, I see what you did. And now I'm looking to the next thing. I'm constantly moving forward. But the the meetings and the patterns themselves aren't a solution that they don't fix things but they're how we live with what we can't fix. And it's precisely that reason that they can be conduits of hope and and rhythms of the covenant that we have with him. Amen. Not turning like the chief priest. I'll just do it myself. Not not like Judas saying, well, I kind of like part of this, but I want to do it my way. We ask what Peter and John asked when there was a need. said, Lord, how do you want us to prepare? Lord, Lord, what do you want us to do when we are preparing for this? So you give it back to him. Again, the only one who can tote it because he's already got something prepared. That doesn't mean we won't have to wait. That doesn't mean we won't have to be patient. But we can trust that he will do the better job than our wayward heart. Because we're looking for something, and if we keep it to ourselves, our heart is going to prepare a way for us to see it. It's going to do the best that it can for us to see it. And so the question is, when we're preparing for something, the southern word is fixing to. Are you going to the store? Well, I was fixing to. Has anybody remember the first time you heard that, or was it just a part of your life? Do y'all say that in Michigan? You don't say it. So when you got here, you were like, I don't know what they're talking about. Something's broken. They're going to fix it, I guess, before they can go. They got to fix something before they can go to Walmart. 
But what are we saying? I'm fixing to, I'm fixing myself. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to go and do this. So what are we fixing to do? What have our eyes been looking towards? Is it a good and right thing? And if it is, are we seeking it with him or are we just letting our heart go the direction it wants to go? Because again, it's going to end us up in a place that's not very good. Are we doing it his way or are we doing it our way? Because he's given us a pattern for life. He's given us everything that we need in Jesus Christ. Scripture says for life and for godliness. Just like Passover was for them and a multitude of other things. It wasn't a fix in itself, but it was another opportunity to remember that God is there, who he is and what he said that he would do. And it's sustenance for us in those moments where we don't know how we're going to celebrate the Passover this year. We don't know how this is going to come about, but we can know that he does. And so we can live through those moments where that need is not yet fully satisfied, but there's the hope that he's going to satisfy it rightly. And we start to live a life that's constructive because that's what he's going to lead us into, a con constructive patterns, patterns that are building something and building something worthwhile. What our heart puts into place are patterns that are destructive, that tear things down. And again, we've seen it over and over and over in our own lives and the lives of those that we love. There's either constructive patterns in place or destructive patterns in place, and they're warring against each other. Now, when we talk about this, like when we talk about anything, you can come away with it thinking, oh, man. Does that mean I'm going to have to do like, am I not doing enough for Jesus? Do I need to do more? Am I doing enough in my life for Jesus so that I'll be satisfied? And that's the wrong question. That's a legalistic, hurtful question to think that I need to do more for him. The question we can ask is, what more does Jesus want to do in my life? Not what more can I do in my life for him to try to align with what you're saying, because that gets over into the Judas territory. But Jesus, what more do you want to do in my life? Teach me, train me, show me, reveal it to me. But it better come from you, because if it's just coming from me, it's brokenness and sadness on the regular. What do you want to do? In my life? What more do you have that you want to work on? What, what areas do you have that you want to change? Because at the end of the day, I know that that's going to leave me better. And so our prayer is God, give me wisdom to navigate my needs, my desires, and faith to see that you're the answer. To not turn to my own heart to try to make this happen. We're going to have to do things. They had to go into town. They had to find the man with the water pot. They had to talk to him. There were things that they had to do, but it was under the direction of Jesus. And so it went really, really well. And they didn't have to strive in it. They just had to walk in what he had already prepared. So finishing up just a couple of questions and then, then I want to pray for us on, on this. First question is, what are we doing? Looking at looking at my life, looking at our lives, what are we doing? We're doing something. What are we doing? And then the second question is, why are we doing that? Those are big questions 
They're simple, but they're big. And then the third question is, how do I feel about the answer to those first two questions? About what I'm doing, about why I'm doing it. And then we take that to him. To have these desires, I have these wants in my life, but I want to handle them the right way. I don't want to leave it up to my own heart to try to make its way the only way it knows how. Because that's the Dukes of Hazard. That's a little bit more than the law would allow. Making their way the only way they know how. We don't want to leave our heart up to that. We don't want to leave it up to our heart to do that. We want to take it to Him. Because that's the only way we're going to get actually fulfilled. Again, the, the chief priests were wanting something. And it led him to murder. Judas was wanting something and it led him to betrayal. Our wants and our desires can lead us down dark, destructive paths if we don't give it to him. Because our heart is going to prepare us to see what it is that we're looking for. He has to be the one that's Lord of our heart. Amen. Let's pray. Father, show us what we're doing. Show us what we're looking for. Thank you for those moments of introspection and revelation of what we're looking for and then where we're trying to receive it from. God, if it's anything other than you, turn the light on it. Save us from our own endeavors because we know our heart's going to try to produce whatever it is that we're looking for. We don't want to be left with just the best our heart can do. We want your instruction. We want your guidance. We want your lordship over our life. So that when we have a need, when we have a desire, just like Peter and John did, they wanted to observe the Passover. And you told them to go and ready it. But instead of going off and doing it their own way, they turned back to you and said, how, how, how should we do this? Where should we go? What should this look like? And then you had instruction that they took to heart. Lord, that we would take your instructions to heart, to know that we're looking for something and then if we're not seeking it in you, we're going to find it and we're not going to like what we get. But I thank you that you have already made preparation and provision for everything that we have need of. You are the right satisfaction of all of our desires. Lord, save us from the temptation of trying to do it without you. Save us from the temptation of trying to be close to you, but still do it our own way. Be Lord of our life. And forgive us for the times where we tried to go it alone. As we get ready to go today, I pray that uh, we leave here in peace and unity with each other. God bless your people. Keep us safe. I thank you that as we go into this week, we do so with you in mind, with the knowledge that we're looking for something. And Lord, we want to make it more about you. We want you to lead and guide us as we walk. Give us wisdom from your word. Holy Spirit, lead us, guide us, and direct us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake so that when we get to the end result, we'll be able to point back and go, I would have been a dreadful mess if it wasn't for Jesus. But thanks to him, I am where I am and I'm moving forward. God, thank you for all that you have awaiting us in the days ahead that you've already provided. Thank you for wisdom to navigate to it. And I thank you for faith to see that you are our only source. We thank you for these things in Jesus name. Amen.